0: Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life. We're in a series that um, talks about change. The actual title is uh, down at the bottom of the screen, Will You Let God... Uh, use you to change your world and I think it's good for us to be confronted with questions like that anytime especially as we go into a new year with new opportunities before us and what we're doing in this series is is look at the life of some missionaries that John alluded to in his prayer uh, that have gone before us uh, that God used to change their world that we can even still see lasting effects from and allow their story along with the scriptures to hopefully challenge us to Try and change our world. We started out with a couple of missionaries that ministered in India. Today, uh, we're going to talk about a missionary that ministered in China. A couple of weeks ago, uh, when I was working on this uh, message to begin with. Uh, Kevin Steer. Most of you know that, uh, Kevin, his family was from Scotland and I thought I'd have a little bit of good fun with, uh, Kevin. And I, uh, sent him a message and I said, by the way, on the 19th, I'm gonna preach about William Wallace. I'm waiting to see how many people watch Braveheart, (laughs) see if that come to mind or not. So, uh, he sent me back a, a picture real quick of, uh, uh, William Wallace in the movie, holding his sword up with his paint face and yelling and everything. He said, man, I'm pumped. So I just let that marinate for a week or so. And then he came up to me last week and said, I can't wait to hear about Bill Wallace next week. And I kind of looked at him and I grinned and said, well, it's Bill Wallace of Tennessee, not Bill Wallace of Scotland, uh, that we're going to be talking about in, in the message today. Uh, so, a uh, little bit of background about him. The scripture, by the way, if you want to go ahead and find your place, there we'll be in Philippians chapter one and uh, verse eighteen in just a moment. But uh, a little bit of background of, uh, about him: uh, William Bill Wallace. Uh, maybe if I called him Bill, I uh, wouldn't have uh, uh, led uh, Kevin to think in that direction. But um, he uh, he was born in nineteen oh eight, the son of a physician. Initially, he didn't have any interest in medicine, pursuing a medical career at all. What he really liked was anything mechanical. So he loved to tinker with with motorcycles and cars and and things like that. And I love that part of his story because you know what they just did? All the men in here thought, yeah, that's my kind of guy, you know, because I like to tinker with stuff and I like things mechanical. So that's, that's the way he was. Well, when he was age 17, he was in his garage working on a car at, at his father's house. And he started kind of being haunted with a question. To start with, the question that came across his mind was this. Because he's 17, getting ready to graduate high school. What am I going to do with my life? And, and then instantly he recognized, because he'd been raised in a, in, a, in a Baptist church, Christian church, Christian family. And instantly he realized that's the wrong question. Instead of asking, what am I going to do with my life? He said, I need to ask this, what does God want me to do with my life? I, I would suggest that'd be the question for all of us. And especially some of you maybe that are, that, are, that are younger and you're maybe looking to get out of high school before long and wondering, you know, what are you going to do with your life? Let God help you, guide you in that direction. Or you feel like you got his purpose behind you. So he picked up a New Testament in the garage that day, and as he was holding the New Testament, reading through it, he became convicted that God was calling him to be a medical missionary, even though he had no interest in being a physician before. So from that time on, he set out on a 10-year journey to go to college and on to medical school to where he could be trained to be a physician, in fact, to be a, a, a surgeon. He would petition the foreign mission board... It's what they used to be called the International Mission Board, now the Southern Baptist Convention. He would send them a letter and petition them to be approved as a missionary and would eventually be assigned as a medical missionary in Wuchang, China at Stout Memorial Hospital, which, by the way, was a, a, a mission hospital. He would eventually be arrested, wrongfully accused, abused, tortured, put through what we would view as being mind-washed today and eventually would lose his life in China. After serving there for 15 years, he was brutalized to the point of death on February the 10th, 1951. Some people see some analogy between him and the Apostle Paul. So we're going to read a passage of Scripture in just a minute that the Apostle Paul wrote, by the way, while he was in prison. And he was in that damp roman dungeon and he himself had been abused and he himself was in that prison for the gospel's sake and there is some comparisons there with his life in the life of william wallace this passage of scripture we're going to read from talks about the focus of paul's life and it talked about the hope that he had beyond life and i think you'll see that in the life of Bill Wallace also. Stand with me as we read these words. Philippians 1, 18, down through verse 23. Our primary focus will be verse 20 through 23. Even though he's in these circumstances and prison and everything, he says, yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body. Freeze frame that a minute. I'll pick back up reading in a second. Did you catch what Paul said? Now they're in prison as always. Man, can we say that? Don't you wish you feel like you could say that? In the circumstances I am now, even though they're bad circumstances, and as always, as has been in the past, that God, that Christ would be honored. Then he goes on, he says, whether by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to part and be with Christ, to depart and be with Christ. For that is far better. I think you can be seated. The Apostle Paul has the hope that he's going to rejoice. Whether it be an extended life. Because extended life would mean this. Extended life would mean that he would have more opportunity to serve Jesus. That he would have more opportunity to impact other people. But he's got this expectation whether his life is extended or whether it ends and he goes to be of the lord i think that's going to be the mindset that you'll pick up on in the life of southern baptist missionary bill wallace both of them had an ultimate deliverance see we may not think of it like that you know what do you mean they had an ultimate deliverance because both of them lost their life well hey guys the ultimate deliverance is going to be of the lord amen whether it be through sickness, someone that's struggling with cancer and things like that in their lives and they eventually die. Or someone that's persecuted to death for serving Christ or for the gospel sake. That's an ultimate deliverance. And that was the focus of the Apostle Paul. And the focus, it appears to me, of Bill Wallace. Both wanted Christ to be honored, whether by life or death. Both knew that to die was great gain for the Christian. So I want you to take verse 20 through 23, and I want you to see three truths that I think probably we need to also apply to our own lives. Here's truth number one. We should live our lives with passion for Christ. That's what we ought to be about. As believers, those who've been redeemed, those who recognize what Jesus went through for us, suffered for us, shed his blood for us, took his sin upon himself, We we ought to live our lives with passion for him. So even before I read the next scripture that we've already kind of read through once, maybe ask yourself a question. What are you passionate about? I mean, what are you really driven by in your life? What kind of lights your fire? What what are you passionate about? For some people, it might be their favorite football team or something. I didn't have a struggle with that this year, did we, John? Because our team just stunk it up. (laughs) One of our church members back here, is, uh, he's wearing a Packer shirt. Said, and I told him, I said, you know what? I'm going to be pulling with you today. Normally wouldn't do that, but I am today. Well, maybe you're passionate about some hobby. Maybe that's something that, that, that really drives you and lights your fire. Maybe it's your job or whatever. But, but guys, for a Christian, I, I'm going to kind of argue this point that we ought to be passionate about Jesus because of what he's done for us. And I think you see that passion exude out of the words of the Apostle Paul, of course, divinely inspired words. But look what it says again in verse 20. As is my eager expectation and hope that I'll not be ashamed, but that will full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. He, he said, I've got this eager expectation. That really means to turn the head and be watching with an intense anticipation. He said, I've got a hope. And the word that he used there means to anticipate with pleasure. It's not, well, I hope something happens. He had a confident expectation that this would happen, what he's about to say. He said, I've got full courage with full courage. And that means in a fixed position of rest, that he would have all confidence, all outspokenness, all frankness, all boldness, all bluntness, all assurance. And the root word gives the idea of pouring forth. What Paul is saying is this, I've got full confidence that I'm going to pour forth the gospel no matter what happens, whether it means my life is extended or whether it means my life comes to an end. And his desire was this, that Christ would be honored, that Christ would be declared great, that he would be increased, that he would be enlarged, that he would be magnified. Guys, now, now understand this, you and I can't inherently make Christ any bigger, amen, can we? We can't make him any grander. We can't make him any more glorious, not inherently because that's who he is, but we can live our lives in ways that lead other people that don't know him to believe, man, he must be something else. You know, he, he must be glorious. He, he, he must be important, especially when you see Paul losing his life for the gospel and missionaries like Bill Wallace losing their, losing their life for the gospel. His his passion, Paul's passion is evident in those words. He had this eagerness. He had this expectation and hope that his service to Christ would not leave him ashamed, whether it be when he stood before God or as he lived his life in this world. And the Christ would be honored in his body, whether it be by his life or by his death. Because I'm just going to suggest that ought to be the passion we have in serving Jesus. We ought to live our lives in such a way that we have an expectation what we're doing and the way we're acting is going to honor Christ. That's what we ought to ask ourselves before you make a choice in your life, before you do something in your life, before you act a certain way in your life, maybe the huge question is this, is this going to honor Christ and, and then make the decision from there? Yes or no? Is, is our actions going to honor Christ? We ought to be enabled, as Paul was here, to have an eager expectation and a hope of never being ashamed. We need to live our lives in a way that we display passion for Christ in our bodies. Whether we live and have the chance to keep doing ministry or whether following Christ leads us to our our deaths, we ought to have that kind of passion. Seems to me that Bill Wallace of Tennessee had that kind of passion. He's dedicated himself to his missionary call to the people of China. He could have chose to be a surgeon anywhere. He was offered a prestigious position in Tennessee. He could have just stayed there, but he he didn't. He intentionally shunned his own safety. He intentionally shunned what maybe he could have made in America as a surgeon and as a physician to go and, and, and be a missionary there in China. There are times, several times, when he was there in China, he could have chosen to leave. Once was right after he arrived. Right after he arrived one time, they kind of warned him. They said, look, because of the circumstances that are here, you need to just go ahead and get back on the boat and go to Hong Kong and come back later. To which Bill Wallace just said, No. And and they sent the message back to the captain of the ship. And the captain of the ship sent word back to him. And he said, if you don't leave now, I cannot be held responsible for your safety. And Bill Wallace kind of laughed and he said, don't worry, you're not responsible for me being here and you're not going to be responsible for my safety. Christ was responsible for him being there. (laughs) And he was going to trust Christ being responsible for his safety. On more than one time when he was serving, there were times of war, times of World War II taking place, times when the Japanese came in, times when the communists were taking over. More than one occasion, there were bombs exploding all around the hospital. On one occasion, a bomb hit the hospital. And by God's providence and safety, no one was severely injured and no one lost their life. At one point, they were forced to leave Wucha, China, where the hospital was at. And they had to make the hospital portable, and they took boats, and they moved it down the river and continued to serve people and minister to people there. That's where his mechanical prowess kind of came in. And all the times he was asked to leave, here's his response. I will stay as long as I'm able to serve. I will stay as long as I am able to serve. See, Christ had called him. Christ had him there. He was going to trust Christ to do whatever happened, whether it be his life or whether it would be his death, he was going to trust Christ through it all. Second thing I want to see from this text, not only should we have a passion for Christ, we, uh, we should live our lives with purpose for Christ. Look at the very first part of verse 21. Apostle Paul wrote these words, For to me to live is Christ. If you read that in the Greek that the New Testament was originally written in, What it literally says is this, for me to live, Christ. That's all it says. In our English translation, that sounds a little bit awkward to some people, so that's why they phrased it like that, for for me to live is Christ, but it really just said, for me to live, Christ. And guys, if you look at it like that, I think that's even more powerful than to say, for me to live is Christ. The Apostle Paul was just viewing his life like this. That's what my life is about. My life is Christ. That's what I'm supposed to be about. He understood his calling. He understood what God had called him to do. And the apostle Paul was willing to die if it meant that, to answer the call that God had on his life. He understood the purpose that he had in his life. And guys, as believers, our purpose as Christians ought to be the same as that of the apostle Paul. Our purpose is to serve Jesus and to share the gospel with others. I don't care what your vocation is. I'm not talking about your vocation. I'm talking about what our lives ultimately, foundationally, ought to be about as believers. It ought to be to share Jesus with others, and it ought to be to serve Jesus. That's what your life is about. I'm not trying to tell everyone here, you need to hop a boat and and, and go to China or an airplane and go to China like Zach and his wife are over there in in China. I'm not saying that's what all of you have to do, but I am saying this, no matter what your vacation is, wherever God has you parked, you need to view yourself like you're a missionary. You need to view yourself as though you are there to serve Christ and to share the gospel with others. Just view your life like this when you get up in the morning. I'm alive. So Christ is what my life's going to be about. Just view your life like this. I live Christ. I live Christ. That's literally what the apostle Paul said. The purpose of Bill Wallace's life was to live Christ. Daniel Aiken, the president of Southeastern Seminary, calls Bill Wallace this, a Jesus intoxicated man. I don't think I've ever heard anybody call that before you. You understand intoxication? You understand what that means? Lord, you're afraid to even move right now. (laughs) I'm not going to let on to where the pastor knows that I understand intoxication. I'll do it for you. I didn't know any better in high school than do some things I shouldn't have done, even though my dad was an alcoholic. I understand what it is. I understand what it is from being in law enforcement for 10 years before I was called in the ministry. My record guy that I had blowing the breathalyzer, because I was also a breathalyzer instructor, was 36. One time, you know, that's way, 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 way uh, beyond what it takes. And uh, he could walk a straight line maybe better than me because he was an alcoholic and he had his system all built up and it just took a little bit to push him over the edge. He tried to pull a pistol that night and he would have shot me. I have no doubts that he would have if I had not grabbed him and got him out of the car because he got out of jail for blowing 36, went back to Virginia where he was from and murdered somebody the next week he was operating under the influence of intoxication. All kinds of people do things that they wouldn't do if they weren't operating under the influence of something. because guys, I want to flip that in a positive way. Because what Bill Wallace had done evidently is so drink Jesus into his life that he was under the influence of Jesus. That he was intoxicated by Jesus. And, and the choices that he made and how he lived his life wasn't Bill Wallace driving his own life. It was Jesus being the driving force in his life. He, he was living his life under the influence of Jesus Christ. At the same time that Wallace's medical training was finishing up, a prayer was being prayed by a, another doctor missionary there at Stout Memorial Hospital in, in Wuhan, China. His name was Dr. Robert Bedo. He wrote a letter to the Foreign Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention saying this, Oh God, give us a surgeon. Give us a surgeon. Almost at the exact same time, Bill Wallace was writing his own letter to the Foreign Mission Board. And here's what his letter said. My name is William L. Wallace. I'm now serving as a resident in the surgery at Knoxville General Hospital, Knoxville, Tennessee. Since my senior year in high school, I've felt God would have me be a medical missionary, and to that end, I have been preparing myself. I attended the University of Tennessee for my pre-medical work and received my MD from the University Medical Center in Memphis. I did an internship here at at Knoxville General and, and remained for a surgical residency. I'm not sure what you desire in way of information, but I'm single, 23 years old, I am a member of Broadway Baptist Church. My mother died when I was 11. My father, also a physician, passed away two years ago. And there are only two of us. My sister, Ruth Lynn, is planning marriage. In other words, he's telling them, I- I'm not really bound here by anybody, by anything. And then he goes on to kind of let them know, I must confess, I'm not a good speaker nor an apt teacher. But I do feel God can use my training as a physician. As humbly as I know how, I want to volunteer to serve as a medical missionary under the Southern Baptist Foreign Mission Board. I've always thought of Africa, but I'll go anywhere that I'm needed. So they got his letter, and they got the letter from China at the hospital there. So on July 25th, 1935, 10 years to the month from the time he made his garage commitment and recorded it on the back leaf of his New Testament, He was appointed as a medical missionary to Wuchaw, South China. For Bill Wallace, Jesus was everything. He wasn't held here. And even if he had family to hold him here, Jesus was everything. He was all about Jesus. He would never marry. In, In 1935, he took a young lady to a place called Ridgecrest, North Carolina. You ever heard of it before? And everybody thought that, well, surely they'll get married because they went on this trip and and, and they're there at this conference and and they just expected them to get married, but he never married, never proposed. When they talked to the lady later and said, well, you know, what happened with that? And she said, well, he will never get married. It would be bigamy (laughs) because he's already married to his work. He's already married to Jesus. And that's the way he viewed his life. So he set out on September the 1st, 1835, five weeks after his appointment, and just prior to leaving for China, he spoke to his home church. And as he spoke to his home church before he left for China, he more or less just told them this. He thanked them for what they had taught him. He thanked them for the way they had ministered to him. He thanked them for everything they had done to mold his life. He thanked them for all their support. And he answered a question that some of them had. Some of them were wondering, well, man, there's all kinds of medical need here in America. Why, Why are you going over there? Here's his response. Because God called me to go. Simply that, because God called me to go. I don't know if you've ever had that kind of situation in your life. I've Pastor some churches before in the past that even after I got on the field and started visiting some people that maybe were inactive at the time when I first became pastor. And I had people ask me, why in the world would you want to come to this church? Only thing I could tell them was, I feel like God wanted me to come. Did this thing called day three church because I felt like God told me to do it. If you've never had any kind of clear clarion call in your life, it doesn't have to be to plant a church. It doesn't have to be a missionary, but you need to be listening to the Holy Spirit to where you know you have responded to what the Holy Spirit of God has told you and where he has, has, has led you. Bill Wallace lived his life with purpose. He lived his life with passion, but he also lived his life with promise in Christ as the Apostle Paul did. So guys, not only should we live our lives with passion for Jesus and live our lives with purpose for Jesus, we need to live our lives by operating in his promises. We, we need to live our lives and operating in the, the, the promise that we have in Christ. Here's part of that promise in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 through 23. The Apostle Paul writes, sitting in a dungeon, to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yeah, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. The, The word gain can literally mean lucre, which is an old word for money. So so maybe to coin a a modern phrase, people will will talk about something being money or money in the bank. Guys, for us to die and go and be with the Lord, it's far better than money. And it's far better than money in the bank. He he said there that things are going to pick up, really is what he's saying. When, When a Christian dies, things pick up and things get better. He, he, he said to die is gain. A lot of times I have been with a family and they've got a loved one that's died or maybe on the front end of that person dying. If they know Christ as their Savior, you know what that empowers me to do? That empowers me to say the best is yet to come. That empowers me to say that there's going to be better on the other side of this than where you are now. That to die is gain. And that's a focus that the Apostle Paul had, and I think that that Bill Wallace had. I think that's why he lived his life unhindered and not worrying about what might happen to him. The Apostle Paul used that phrase, fruitful labor. And the words that he used there literally means fruit is hanging low that can be plucked. Guys, ask yourself if you have any low-hanging fruit in your life. I, I grew up over in Wilkes County in a region that raises apple and peaches and, 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 and things like that, you know, nectarines. A lot of times after i would maybe been hunting or whatever, I could walk out in one of those orchards and I could walk up to a tree. And if there was low hanging fruit, I could just reach out and pluck it without much effort at all. Now there's fruit up in the tree and the apple pickers have to carry ladders and things like that, or get in a bucket truck and go to the energy of trying to get up there and grab the apples. What I'm simply trying to illustrate for you is this in our lives, there ought to be low hanging fruit. Or you might say, well, i got fruit in my life, but maybe nobody can see it or nobody can reach it. We need to have the kind of fruit that other people can reach out and grab hold of. and can be beneficial for them. That it's low-hanging. They can see it in your life, and they can reach forth and grab that. It would be something God uses in their life. To be living this life as Christians means that we ought to be fruitful for Christ. That others ought to be able to pick that low-hanging fruit. Paul also said this. He, he said, what I should choose, I cannot tell. He, he said, what I prefer, I absolutely don't know right now. I can't really make it known. Here's why. Because he said he was hard pressed between the two. That, that phrase means to compress, like you've got a, a, a crowd or a siege of some type backing you into a corner or backing you up against a wall. It also meant to be arrested like a prisoner to where you're confined to that area, Though the word also meant to preoccupy or to be constrained. What Paul is saying is, I'm really struggling with these two things. He he said, I want to live here. I want God to use me. I want to bear fruit. But at the same time, he said, I'm hard pressed between these two situations. It's like there's a siege upon my life. And he was literally sitting in a prison compressed at the moment. But he's saying, "I, I don't know exactly what I want to do. He said, my desire is this. And that word desire means, my desire means holding a personal possession as a longing or setting your heart upon. His desire, his longing was to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. The word he used for depart means to break it up or to loosen. Sometimes in their culture in the Middle East, they'd use that same word to talk about taking the tent down. You'd go over and pull the tent stakes up and the ropes and you'd move the tent to another location. There are a lot of nomadic people live in the Middle East. That happened quite often. It was also used to refer to a ship being loose from its moorings, being untied from its dock where it could sail free. Guys, I love this image. If you've been here very long, you've heard me preach that image before. You've probably heard me use it at a funeral before in the past. But I love that imagery because here's what that's saying. For a child of God, when we die whether it be by natural causes or whether it be by disease or whether it be by persecution like we'll see happen in Bill Wallace's life in just a moment. When we die for a Christian, here's what happens. You just take your tent up and you fold it and you go to a better place forever. Amen? You're set free. That ship is set free to where it can sail wherever it wants to go. Hey, once you die as a Christian, you're not tied to this world anymore. You're not tied to disease anymore. You're not tied to suffering or pain or anything else. You get to sail free with Jesus for all eternity. Sound like a good thing to me. Amen? And that's what the Apostle Paul said. That's why he said it's, it, it, it's far better to go and be with Christ, to be in union with Christ, to be in association and companionship with Christ. Guys, you have that right now. You have the potential of resemblance of Christ right now in your life. Right now, if you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life as God wants to, you have the opportunity to resemble Jesus more. You have... Jesus living inside of you by his spirit. So you are in fellowship with him now. You're in connection with him now. You're in, associ- you're in association with him now. But one day you'll literally be in his presence. One day you'll literally be with him. And understand what that's like to fellowship with him. I'm not trying to be coy about anything because we get to heaven after I get through bowing on my face for however many years it'll take. To thank him for what he's done. I think I'll get to hold hands and walk with Jesus if I want to. To have that type of communion and that kind of fellowship with him. And the resemblance part we're told in the Bible. And he appears to be like him one day. But the Apostle Paul is saying that, that's why it's far better to go and be with Christ. It's far better. And he uses kind of like a double plural superlative there. He, he's saying it's greater in any degree. It's far, far, far better than anything in this life. For a Christian to go and depart and be with Christ is better. I think Bill Wallace must have had a firm belief in those words. For him to stay in China when he could have left. He seemed like he didn't have any desire to protect his life. Instead, he lived his life serving Christ and the Chinese people without thought of his own life. Somewhat because of Wallace's presence and actions, a spiritual revival broke forth in the hospital. There were people that miraculously healed. Many people were being saved. And the doctor that was over the hospital said the timeline had to do with the arrival of Bill Wallace. That God had anointed him and was using him in their midst in that way many people's hearts were impacted by his ministry there came a time in his life that he saw such need around him that he started refusing to take his daily portion of rice instead he would give it to maybe a he started out giving it to a nurse that was the first thing he did because there's a nurse with a fever and he knew she needed to get better and she needed to heal and he and he gave his rice to her And then he started giving his rice to others. He became so thin, it looked like the wind could blow him away if a strong wind came. One night, he didn't mean for anybody to see this, but one night, he was seen out behind the cook's tent to where they would prepare the food for him. You ever burn rice in the bottom of a pot? I have, you know. It's hard to get out and everything else not very palatable, not something you'd want to eat. They saw Bill Wallace out behind the cook shed because he was so hungry from giving his food away. Taking the burnt rice out of the trash and eating the burnt rice. They weren't used to seeing someone do those things. They weren't used to seeing someone operate like that in their, in their midst. He taught them how to boil the bones of birds in order they could get the nutrients out of them, the vitamins that they needed. Someone said of him, If you want to find Bill Wallace, go find the sickest person in the hospital, and that's where Bill Wallace will be. The Chinese said this of him We Chinese aren't used to seeing Americans or Europeans do things like this. We know the missionaries love us, but there was always a difference. They lived their way, and we lived our way, but Dr. Wallace. Didn't know the difference. He was one of us. He accepted our portion, all of it. He went to China as a doctor, but primarily he was a bearer of the good news of Jesus Christ. He referred to himself with a Chinese term that meant this, one piece of man. And what Will, what William Wallace meant by that was this, that he was a single, unencumbered, and expendable person, and he meant his life was the only one at stake. Someone else referring to Bill Wallace, using that term, referring to himself, another missionary was talking to his own wife, and he said, Will Wallace really means that. He has no concept of his own worth, or no anxiety over the future, what the future may hold as far as I could see. You want to know why? Because he believed to die is gain. He believed that things would be far better to go and be with Christ. On December the 9th, 1950, communist soldiers made their way in the hospital and ordered all the doctors and all the staff to come outside the hospital. And they began to hurl false accusations against bill wallace and they even invited for other people to come forward and have something negative to say tell some kind of bad story about bill wallace and no one would move just a few minutes they sent someone to go to his room that he stayed in and they came back out with a pistol problem is bill wallace didn't own a pistol so they had planted the pistol in his room and, and they brought the, the pistol forward and they began to make all kinds of false accusations and, and charges against him. Another day they, they had people they would take him and put him into prison and, and another day they, they they had other people to come and, and they got him out in the in the courtyard and, and they put a sign over his head that had public obscenities on it. And they once again invited people to come forward and and, and tell whatever negative thing they could, and no one would come forward and say anything against Dr. Wallace. At one point, they brought a letter for him to sign. And the letter he signed only had his name, his age, his date of birth, and how many years he had served in China. But the letter had a blank section on it. And after he signed it, they took it and they filled it in. It had to look like he was confessing to maiming people and everything else under the sun. Doing abortions or everything else under the sun. They, they, they topped it in and filled it in. Before we knew anything about brainwashing techniques, that's what was taking place. They would come get him all hours of the night. They'd interrogate him and torture him without giving him rest. Over and over and over again, that would happen. One day, the soldiers brought all of them out into the courtyard to make sport of them. And another missionary had the chance to come over and ask Bill Wallace how he was doing. And here's what he said in the midst of all he was facing. All right, trusting in the Lord was his response. People would hear him crying out with anguish during the night. He somehow got a smuggled pencil that he had found in a few little pieces of paper whenever he would find it. And he, he would write on those pieces of paper either defense of himself or, or things to help calm his mind or verses of scripture. And he would, he would write those things and he would then hide the, the pencil and hide the little notes in the cracks of his wall. One night the soldiers came to his cell with long poles and began thrusting them into his cell and jabbing him to unconsciousness. That night on February the 10th, 1951, Wallace died at the age of 43. No one heard him cry. It was finished. But for him, it was finished. And he went right straight to be in the arms of Christ. For him, it was far better to be in the arms of Jesus. The soldiers tried to cover up what they had done when they found him dead the next morning. And they went and got a rope and they hung him by the neck in his cell trying to claim that he had committed suicide. Witnesses were allowed to come in. They weren't allowed to take his body out, but some witnesses other than the soldier were allowed to come in and none of the evidence that would take place for someone hanging to death were present at all. Later on, they found that it was all all staged. Years later, his remains will return to Tennessee. By the way, I I need to mention this. I was about to fail to think too, but I told you there are analogies drawn between him and the Apostle Paul. Think about some analogies between Bill Wallace and Jesus. Both arrested. Both never did anything to defend themselves. Both had signs placed over their heads. Both were falsely accused by jealous men who were jealous over their influence among the people. Both were tortured and beaten. Both have an attachment to wood poles. Bill Wallace was jabbed to death by his and Jesus was nailed to his. January 12th, 1985, the remains of William Wallace came to rest in Tennessee, returned to Tennessee. A memorial service was held at, can you guess the name of the church? Wallace Memorial Baptist Church. The pastor there had never met Bill, didn't know him, because it was years later. But he talked about the remains of William Wallace, not his earthly remains. He talked about the remains of William Wallace and all the missionaries that had been sent out from Wallace Memorial Baptist Church. He talked about the remains of William Wallace of the mission work that had taken place and continued to take place in China. He talked about the remains of William Wallace, how many people, even outside Wallace Memorial, had been influenced to give their lives on the mission field back when he originally first died. And his remains were placed there in China. Some of his friends at great risk to their lives raised funds and put a grave marker up that simply says this, for me to live is Christ. Pretty good epithet, isn't it? The rest of the story is this, to die is gain. And for him it was gain. Things pick up, things got better. And guys, that's true for us. But it's only true if you know Christ as your Savior. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, it doesn't get better. It gets immensely worse, so much that we cannot describe it. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, to die is not gain. To die is is, is terror for eternity. But if you know Christ as your Savior, to die is gain. And what I'm simply challenging us to do, guys, is, is live our lives like that. If you know Christ as your Savior, what can they do to you except send you to be with Jesus sooner? So that's why we ought to live our lives with passion for Jesus. To want to honor him with our lives, whether it it leads to us continuing to live and do ministry or whether it leads to us to die. And not just have passion to live our lives with a life of purpose. Or we view our lives like this, to live Christ. That's who we're supposed to be about, what we're supposed to be about. And then to live our lives in promises like this. (laughs) It's okay when we die. Something happens for me. Don't you go around pouting for me. You have a celebration for me. I've got a better place to go to. I hope we can just have celebrations for you that you know Christ as your Savior. But, guys, the issue is there are tons and tons of people in our world, in our communities, in a pocket of lostness and granite falls that don't know Christ as Savior. That's why we need to live our lives with passion, with purpose, and believe in the promise that no matter what happens, it's going to be okay. It gets far better. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these words that the Apostle Paul wrote. He had a desire to stay and minister to people and bear fruit for you and bear fruit in their lives. But he also had a desire to depart and be with you. Father, give us those two desires. Help us to have the desire to bear fruit for you. Help us to have low-hanging fruit in our lives that other people can harvest and feed upon and it would be spiritually beneficial for them. Father, help us to, to live our lives with a passion for you. God, let our passion for Christ be greater than our passion for anything else in our lives. Father, I, I ask you to search my heart and search the hearts of everyone here about what we're really passionate about this morning. Father, help us to live Christ and that be our purpose. And help us to cling to your promise as we try to impact the lives of others in this world, whether it be here in Granite Falls or across the world. Help us to live with a promise that as your child, as those who have trusted Christ as Savior, if something happens to us, things pick up. Things get better far better than anything this world can offer it's in Christ's name we pray Amen Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church we pray that it has ministered to you for more information about our location, service times or other sermon podcasts please visit us online at day3church.org Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.